Welcome to The Read Along. A mini book club for your ears. I'm your host, Scott. I'm your other host, Anita. And join us on a journey through a good book, one one chapter chapter at at a time. time. Do you like talking about movies? Do you like talking about mediocre movies? Do you like talking about how you could have fixed mediocre movies? Well, I certainly do, and you can listen to me, Scott C. Bourgeois, along with my co-hosts Greg Beaver and Liam Kreswick, as we give our notes, and I have some notes. You can follow it now on your podcatcher of choice, or support it by visiting patreon.com slash I have some notes. into the summer times ish at least weather wise it's been nice it has been able to get out with the kids a little bit and it hasn't been very smoky the last little while yeah which has so been, been very nice yeah. Yeah. uh could use a little more rain but we could always use a little more rain yeah it's not yet june though so it'll happen hopefully june june is usually pretty rainy for us so that's nice been starting to make some summer plans yeah vacations and such yeah now obviously we don't break the read-along It has run continuously since it started. We don't intend to start doing that now. But um, every now and then when we do go out on vacation, uh, an episode might drop like a day late. So uh, just FYI, that might happen Uh, at some point in the summer. We might have a day late episode, but we won't miss an episode. No. No. So you can look forward to that. There. See, now you know what's going on. Yeah. You're up to speed. (laughs) We talk about the weather. Eh, Our lives are so exciting. Yeah. I mean, we're parents of two small children. Things are busy. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. But uh, we're not so busy that we can't make a little bit of time for the read-along. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's what the low-pressure book club is all about. Exactly. Super cash. Indeed. Read when you want. Listen when you can. We're good. Yeah. Yeah. So with that said, brief recap of our previous chapter. The end of part one of our story, where the queen was like, hey, Rosie, I want to be invited to tea by somebody who's also going to invite somebody else. And Rosie was like, I think I know what's going on, and <laughs> make some arrangements. And that leads us into part two and chapter seven of The Winds Are Not by S.J. Bennett. So this was a bit of a longer chapter, but I feel like it can be summarized very quickly. Yeah, uh, it was it was really interesting to read, but it just confirmed the same thing over and over again for me. Kind you know of. what I mean? It, it ticked off all the boxes that needed ticked off. Yeah. For the queen to be satisfied with an answer. We can explain what happened quickly, even though the book like went into some detail for yeah, us, yeah. which was nice. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the chapter starts with Rosie, actually, feeling a little weird about going behind Sir Simon's back. Kind of, sort of, kind of lying, kind of, to Sir Simon. Yeah, because yeah, Sir Simon notices the change in itinerary and, like, pops his head into her office and is like, what's going on this afternoon? And she's like, oh, you mean the tea that the queen was invited to? And he's like, how come I didn't hear about this? I didn't think it mattered. It was just tea. Yeah, this is what the queen was asking about the other day, basically. It's just, it's not a big deal. I didn't think it was a big deal. But Sir Simon is suspicious, Enough that he kind of probes a little bit to get a satisfactory answer. And Rosie is left in a position where she's kind of like freewheeling an explanation of how this tea came to be. 
like, oh, well, you know, Lady Hepburn's brother recently passed away. And then the queen was like, oh, that's sad. Send my condolences. And the Lady Hepburn was like, well, why don't you come over? It's very last minute. And the queen was like, yes, absolutely. And that's basically how this all came together. More it was or less very, what happened. Very last minute. Not and Sir Simon, Sir Simon gives like his eyes narrow, but he's like, <laughs> all right. Okay. Sounds reasonable. But he's suspicious that something's going on. Now, I can't tell if he's suspicious that he thinks there's something up or if he just doesn't like not having complete and utter control over the schedule. I think it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. He's he's suspicious that something went on behind his back, and that's something that, that's off-putting for him. And in the book, it explicitly states like he's a bit of a control freak, and he's getting used to this whole delegating to an assistant thing. Yeah. And like, it's just tea. It's a minor thing. But for him, a person who's very punctual and very obsessive about the Queen's schedule, that little blip is enough to make him go warning signs, warning signs. Right. (laughs) Except I can absolutely justify this, even if Rosie wasn't lying, because he is clearly an insane micromanager. Oh, yeah, for sure. Right. And I mean, Rosie... She feels guilty about doing this, but at the same time, she recognizes that the queen specifically asked her to do it because she wants to go behind Sir Simon's back. Yes. And Rosie can't quite put her finger on why that is, because she's like, it's clear the queen trusts Sir Simon. Why isn't she trusting him with this? And I think we kind of sussed it out last chapter when we were like, it's because she knows that he's too protective. Yeah. That almost doesn't seem like enough, though, having read this chapter. You know what I mean? Why isn't she telling Sir Simon this? Because Sir Simon's an old fuddy-duddy. I guess. And he'd be inclined to keep her at arm's length in order to protect her. And the queen doesn't want to be kept at arm's length. She wants to to figure out what's going on. Yeah, okay. Because we've even seen kind of from some of Sir Simon's internal dialogue that his instinct is to be like, I shouldn't be bothering Her Majesty with this. And the queen's internal monologue is like, I very much want to find out what's going on. Yeah. The queen wants to be bothered with this. And I think they'd probably butt heads over it. Yeah. And the queen doesn't want to do that, which is why she's going behind his back. She's not in charge of her own schedule. No, he is. Right? (laughs) So he absolutely could keep her out of this if he wanted to. Which is why she's going behind his back. Yeah, okay. With Rosie, his younger assistant, who she's like, Rosie will get it done for me. Rosie doesn't know... (laughs) (laughs) to keep me out of it she'll just do as she's told and to be fair if the queen wants to go to tea with an old friend the queen is going to go to tea with her old friend yeah well one thing that is frustrating for her majesty in this chapter is the fact that mi5 is continuing its investigation Yes. And that has now turned to interrogating the house staff because, Interrogating seems a little harsh. But Humphreys is convinced that there's a mole in the staff. And so he's begun interrogating people. And that's begun to disrupt the household. Yes. And And the queen does not like that. The queen does not like that and is very aware that that's the case. People who she regularly deals with on a day-to-day basis are now like on edge, walking Mm -hmm. on eggshells. And well, she, because once you're questioned by MI5, it feels weird, right? Well, you not you a, know people are suspicious of you. Even if you're innocent, it doesn't, no one likes that spotlight on them. But more than that, it's almost a breach of the trust in the house because there's, the queen even puts it like, there's an understanding, there's a mutual sort of loyalty. Um, and the people who work here know to like, for example, not go and 
sell lurid stories to the tabloids and stuff. Yeah. So for the staff to come under suspicion enough that like a government agency has started questioning people pointedly to an extent, that's kind of like a breach of that trust, right? Right. That means that Number one, it's possible that someone in the household has betrayed that trust. And number two, that the people in charge of the household no longer trust the staff. Right. And that's all bad for everybody. It's And it's poisoning the workplace, basically. Yeah. Humphreys is just gleefully doing it. And the queen is in a frustrating position where she can't really do anything about it. No. And that's the worst part is she's on their side. Yeah, I, I really actually, I did like the exchange between her and the page who brings her tea. The silent exchange. This, who's been like doing this for years. She knows him well. He's a family man. And nothing is said, but like, what's going on? And she's like, I realize it's bad. There's nothing I can do. And he just kind of like nods and goes yes, on, goes along <laughs> his day. And there's no actual word stated, but there's just total understanding. I know, this beautiful unspoken conversation that they have. Yeah. The queen puts it like, and I, I realize it's a weird power imbalance, but it's something that you see in upstairs, downstairs shows like Downton Abbey and stuff, where the staff is kind of part of the family. Yeah. Like they are people. Assuming they work for a good house, right? The people, the, the lords and ladies in charge actually care about the people in their service. And and t- again, there's, I, I get it. There's a class difference. There's a power imbalance. It's not perfect or great, but these are people who you live with. These are people who are intimately familiar with you and your goings on and your inner life. To an extent, they are kind of part of your extended family at that yeah. point. Well, and there's nothing wrong with being a good employer. No, and I'm I'm not saying that's not the case. I'm not saying that everybody was cruel and mean to their servants or anything. No, no, no. But in that that vein. Yes, I recognize it's problematic, but at the same time, I recognize also that, yes, when you reach that level of personal intimacy with people, it it becomes more than just an employer-employee relationship. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I'm trying to find a better word than an intimate relationship because it is, but not in the immediate way you think of an intimate relationship. Yeah. Like it's it's a platonic but intimate. Yes, relationship. thank you. Yeah, I'm, I was looking for a single word for for a platonic intimate, and I couldn't. There might be one out there. At any rate, Queen's not happy about that. No. But the good news is she's off to tea with Hooray. her good old friend Lady Hepburn. Lady Hepburn is delightful. <laughs> she was a treat. She has a nice place. Uh, Rosie actually runs through how she managed to get this together. Apparently, she spoke to one of uh, the Queen's ladies in waiting who lives near to Lady Hepburn, and she was like, it was maybe a big assumption to believe that just because they lived nearby that they'd know each other. But of course they know each other. Of course they do. And of course they're friends. And Lady Hepburn was absolutely happy to invite the queen over. And so (laughs) here we are. Everybody goes and like gives them some space to have some tea, and Lady Hepburn shows them around the garden because she's spending her her widowhood gardening. The the queen's security detail just kind of Disappears, disappears in the into the background, being protective somewhere. We're also introduced to the professor who was invited. Yes. Uh, professor Henry Evans. Yes. Uh, Rosie actually knew who the queen was talking about because she actually studied under Henry Evans at one point. Because he teaches at the Royal Academy. Yeah. And so, so she as found part it very her, easy to look him up. And, yeah. Right? As part of her officer training, she actually took a course with him. Cool. And remembered him. Right. And he's happy to be there and like they just fall into like chat about tea and stuff. And then at an appropriate moment, Lady Hepburn just like goes and makes herself scarce. Yeah. She knows what's up. Yeah. And I like her. And without missing a beat, the queen just kind of like turns the conversation to, so uh, Professor. 
Talk to me about Russians. Talk to me about Russian assassinations in Britain. And the professor, to his credit, is just like, oh, absolutely. If that's what you want to talk about, here we go. (laughs) The queen has asked me a direct question and I shall answer it. Yeah, and he does. They run through several high-profile assassinations that have taken place on British soil. Yes. Of Russian expats or enemies of the Russian state apparatus. Or specifically enemies of Putin. Yeah. Who have been poisoned or like fallen down an elevator shaft onto some bullets, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Terrible accidents. Horrible accidents. Very sad. That can actually be linked to like this was an assassination or are suspicious enough that it's highly suspicious. Very probably. We won't run through the full list here, but most of them are actual things that have happened for the record. And the queen is kind of like, okay, so... The Russians are not afraid to do this, but would they do it just to send a message that they can? And at this point, the professor is like, I'm not certain I follow. Like, what are you asking? And she's like, would they do something like in a high profile location just to show off? And the professor kind of like thinks about it for a solid minute. And it's just yeah, like, like, like really considers it. Because, I mean, the queen is asking him this question. And finally, he's just like, no, that's not. That's not how they work. That's not not really how they work. They're also, I mean, they're not sloppy. And because the queen also notes that he mentions for one or two of them that like, it seemed like there was some sloppiness involved in the assassination, which is why it was able to be linked to Russia. Yeah. And he's like, well, not really. Like the assassinations themselves weren't sloppy or weren't done in a panic or in haste. There were just like mitigating factors that, oh, well, Someone was using a particular type of poison that at the time they probably didn't realize could be easily tracked, for example. Yeah. But the actual hit itself went off pretty much perfect. Yeah. Yeah. The assassination was fine. It was the evidence that was the problem. You know, like they didn't botch killing the dude. No. (laughs) Um, And so this kind of assuages the queen's concerns. And she's visibly like lifted up by this news. Or if nothing else, it confirms her bias. Yeah. It's confirming to the queen that... It's very unlikely that Putin would have ordered a hit at Windsor Castle just to show off that he could, number yeah, one. Yeah, just to take out this low-level blogger. Just to take out this low-level blogger, number two, who's not really a no. noted enemy of the state. And number three, that it would be done in haste or in a sloppy way. Right. This doesn't match the the Russian MO. That pleases the Queen because it's confirming the Queen's belief that Humphreys's theory of what's gone on doesn't really track yeah well it didn't sit right with her to begin with right yeah and now she's confirmed that her from an actual expert yeah from an actual expert that her take of putin is correct like her yeah character judgment of him is right this bad feeling that she has is is right yeah something right? else is afoot yeah that her her instincts are correct here and then the question becomes like what else could be afoot but fortunately lady hepburn shows back up with a clue yeah. Right at the end of the chapter. That's very handy. Yeah. Without missing a beat, as though as though paged <laughs> from off camera, Lady Hepburn swoops in just as soon as the conversation ends with like fresh tea and some new snacks and then takes them on a, on a little tour of the garden. And at that point brings up the unfortunate death. Yeah. Which is interesting because she does it just out of conversation. Yeah. She's not doing it because she's trying to like stir the pot or necessarily put her foot in it. No, she's not trying to be Snoopy or anything. She has no clue why the queen wanted this meeting, but she brings it up because it's news. Yeah. Oh, I I heard about the the young man who had a heart attack at the, at this little dine and sleep that you had the other day. Terrible news. 
I hope he wasn't a guest. And the queen honestly can say, no, he wasn't one of the guests. Because <laughs> no, he, he was... was part of the staff yeah, for the evening. He was he was hired to perform that night. Then she's like, "Oh, I I heard that he had like been cutting the rug with a bunch of people. Did you dance with the handsome young man?" And the queen's like, "Well, yeah, yeah dance with the handsome young man." And he's like, "Yeah, apparently he really tore it up with someone later on." And the queen's like, "I don't remember that at all." And Lady Hepburn is like, "Oh, well, it might have been after you retired, but apparently there's someone he was dancing with and it was like smoking hot, like chemistry, like sparks flying." <laughs> yeah. And the queen is like, interesting (laughs) really and then announces to rosie that it's time to go without looking at her watch and it has been exactly 60 minutes and the queen has been well trained yeah and uh as rosie drives her back to the castle queen has a little power nap because (laughs) she's no longer on edge she's less anxious yes the weight has been lifted and she's able to nod off for a little also she's a busy monarch and has probably learned how to very effectively power nap yeah but there we go that that kind of is a brief recap of the chapter. Yeah. So now we have a new lead to follow. Yeah. Which is fun. We need to figure out who the dancer was. Well, it seems to me that there's two obvious suspects. Agreed. Because of the people that we've already been introduced to who were at the party. And those would be Masha, the wife. Yes. And Meredith, the actress. And I would say of the two, my money would be on Meredith. Mine too. Because... In the little vignette we had with her earlier in the book, she had mentioned that she was a little embarrassed about something that had happened the night before. And the best I can figure is maybe she had like a bit of a scandalous dancing time flirtation with Brodsky that made her mortified that she may have embarrassed herself. So like I'm not saying Meredith necessarily murdered Brodsky. I'm not going into the accusing parlor. No, no. I don't think she did either. Based yeah. on her little vignette, yeah, that doesn't doesn't quite track right. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something to this. Yeah, and if of the two, she's the one I would most believe, based on what we already know, was the person who'd had this super hot dance party with with the young pianist. Yes, I agree. But I mean, we could be wrong. We don't know for sure. I am frequently wrong when it comes to murder mysteries. So yeah, could be. So I guess we'll have to wait and find out. But I am excited to see where this goes. Indeed. This will be cool. So I guess we'll put a pin in things there for this week. Yep. Because we need more information before we make any more. And I'm sure more will come to us. Yeah. Irresponsible (laughs) accusations. Or crazy irresponsible speculations. Theories, yeah. So (laughs) Uh, so you'll want to read up on chapter eight in time for next week. In the meantime, of course, you can always give us a little rating and a review wherever you're downloading our podcast. Yeah, we appreciate that. Yeah, we can also be spoken to directly via social media. (laughs) Somewhat directly via social media. Uh, We are currently on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Goodreads. We are at the read along on most of those, so you can find us there. Yeah, you can also send us an email. Absolutely. We are thereadalong at gmail.com. And with that said, as always, we love you very much, and we'll see you next time. I wish I could power nap like that. Thank you for joining us on The Read-Along with your hosts, Anita and Scott Bourgeois. All read-along music is by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Cover art is by Aaron Beaver. Be sure to join us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Read-Along, and check out our group on Goodreads.com.
Thank you.